3: taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you today from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the community radio network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au or from 3cr.org.au. And don't forget you can also follow us on Twitter, the tag at tech show. My name's Michael Steindl and I'm joined by my co-host Kay Winningall. Hi Mike. And she asked not to be mentioned, but Laura's in the background <laughs> panelling, and uh, it's worth mentioning because she's actually leaving us next week. So um, Say she won't it be too nice Thanks, Mike. <laughs> this week, we are talking about electric vehicles with both the Greens transport spokesman Janet Rice and with the CEO of BZE, Vanessa Petrie. Janet's a senator, former councillor and mayor of Maribyrnong, environmentalist, facilitator, and one of the founding members of the Victorian Greens. Vanessa has an environmental engineering background with about 20 years' experience working as a sustainability pre- practitioner in diverse roles across local and state government. If you're in Victoria or visiting, put in your calendar that Janet and Vanessa will both be at the Electric Vehicle Expo starting at 9am on Sunday, February 18, that's a, a week and a bit away, at the International Karting Complex at Todd Road, Port Melbourne. Get there and test drive and ride electric vehicles and experience the fun and power they provide. Welcome, Janet and Vanessa. Thanks for joining us.
2: Hello. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Kay.
3: First, Janet, I'm curious, what's your personal experience of electric vehicles?
2: Not very much, actually, personally.
0: Um, When we bought our last car three years ago, I was really keen to buy one, but given how little I drive, I just couldn't justify the cost. Um, I have um, driven a Tesla when we launched our election platform, in 2016, I had a very short drive of a Tesla around some back streets in inner Sydney, mm, which was quite fun. <laughs> and other than that, I also have an electric bicycle. So Ooh. there you go.
1: Well done. So, Janet, China has said it wants alternative fuel vehicles to account for at least a fifth of its 35 million annual vehicle sales, projected by 2025. France and England will also ban sales of petrol and diesel vehicles by 2040 and India by 2030. So what do you see as the role of EVs in Australia?
0: Oh, look, I think we should be in, you know, have a really serious target and going for them. And, I mean, it's pretty clear that if, you know, the you know, climate change science says that we've got to reach zero emissions by, you know, as soon as possible, but absolutely, you know, no later than, than 2050, and certainly, you know, the Greens' position is that we should be at, at net zero by 2050, which means our transport system needs to be net zero as well. And if you look at the pathways that we can achieve that, that's going to be achieved by having an increase in um, zero carbon transport that's automatically zero carbon, i.e. active transport, walking and cycling. It's going to be achieved. It's much easier for public transport to be zero emissions. You know, our trains and our trams um, in Melbourne run on... Electricity, so getting them um, powered by 100% renewable energy is pretty straightforward. So increasing both of those two modes, but we're always going to have, you know, a good chunk. And I'd say probably about a, a a thing to be aiming for would be to have a third of our trips being active transport, a third being public transport, a third of our passenger trips being private transport trips, whether they are, you know, as we know them at the moment, or you know, autonomous vehicles, whatever. So it's pretty clear that those private vehicle trips also need to be zero carbon and electric vehicles, are, you know, the way that technology looks at the moment, that is the way that we're going to achieve zero carbon um, private vehicles. Yeah. So that means that we need to be phasing out fossil fuel vehicles full Very stop. Quickly. And other you know, other countries in the world have sort of taken this challenge. You, know, you mentioned China. We've got Norway that's got a, a target of of having 100% um, of new vehicle sales being electric vehicles by 2025. And and they've
3: already got sixty percent penetration right. last year. Yeah,
0: Netherlands and India by twenty thirty, France and the UK by twenty forty. You know, Australia is an absolute laggard in that they. It's basically the current government's position is oh well you know yeah 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 you know you listen to um, Josh Frydenberg and he talks about you know electric vehicles being an important part of our our transport mix but has not willing to set any targets whatsoever as to what they should be.
1: Yeah, well you're starting to depress me now. So mm-hmm. let's talk about something more exciting. Vanessa, um, Pennsylvania University's Louder Institute has ranked BZE 50th best as a global independence think tank in uh, 2017. (laughs) 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 Probably was then too. (laughs) That's up two places from last time. Isn't that amazing?
2: Uh, We're really excited. And so they asked 7,500 people academics, journalists, philanthropists and they looked at over 6,000 think tanks so we're really chuffed. It's just really exciting recognition of BZE and how unique we are like we really focus on solutions and answers and working with volunteers means that we've just got such an incredible amount of experience and background and knowledge that we have available so it's great news. Mm, Excellent well done. In
1: 2016 BZE produced a report on electric vehicles it's stated that Australia can move to electric vehicles powered entirely by renewable electricity in a decade. It's feasible and affordable, providing environmental, health and economic benefits. So tell us a bit more about the benefits.
2: Kay, um, one of the huge benefits is, is climate change. So if we move the urban fleet to electric vehicles, we'll buy part 6% of Australia's carbon emissions and all if we move all the fleet, it will be 8%. That's really huge. That's about the amount um, that a state like South Australia is emitting each year. And it's super important too, because cars are the um, and vehicles are the highest um, growing source of emission sectors in Australia, growing at 2.2 percent a year. So we really need to go on top of the emissions coming out of vehicles. Health benefits are huge as well. around um, it's estimated around 500 to a thousand people across Australia each year die as a result of being exposed to car pollution that's similar to the national road toll and I think everyone understands um, the effort and the resources that get put that gets put into bringing the road toll down to zero. We need to really think about um, emission sources as you know the same um, way and put the same amount of effort so moving to EVs would remove those emission sources and that's a really huge benefit there are amenity benefits. Um, electric vehicles are quiet. Um, we won't have the noise problems. They mm. really. I have not. Um, I have not driven an electric vehicle. I've been fortunate to be a passenger in a Tesla when I was up in Byron last year. Um, but. When people do drive an electric vehicle, um, we know they're just really positive about the driving experience. It's magic. You two are the experts (laughs) on what it's like to drive an EV. And I often hear you tell me how much um, you love it and you're very influential. I'm convinced. So it's a really great experience. Um, And the driving, the way we drive in Australia, it's really well suited to it. 99% of all of our trips are under 120 Mm kilometres and that's well in the range of an electric vehicle. And so the majority of people will be conveniently charging at home when we do need to get out and drive further afield. We need charging stations and, and already governments are moving on that, like queensland so there's just there's a lot of positives um and you know we haven't talked about cost, but the costs are plummeting, and they you know they're projected to be the same price as an internal combustion um engine by 2025 because the battery is the la- is the most expensive yeah. component and that price just keeps dropping and dropping.
1: And really we're talking about the upfront costs but when you look at it, the overall running costs over the lifetime of the vehicle, electric cars are far less expensive.
2: That's exactly right. So, so today um, it is cheaper to own and maintain an electric vehicle and when we did our um, economic modelling in 2016, what we found was the savings to people... In having electric, um, in running an electric vehicle, makes it you know really significantly offsets um, the higher cost of purchasing one at the moment. And I think
3: I think just as an mm. aside, that report also showed that we could convert the entire bus fleet to electric and actually gain, um, if I remember correctly. Janet, you were talking about 2050 targets before. I think the science is unambiguous that we need to move much faster than that and the um, the vehicle fleet is the lowest-hanging fruit, one of the easiest things compared to some of the um, land-use challenges. Do you think we can get to entirely um, electric vehicles renewable, powered by renewable electricity within a decade? Look,
0: if we have the right measures in place and if we had government leadership and if we had that as a target, yes. Uh, certainly in terms of um, new vehicle sales within a decade... Um, one of the issues, of course, is with with cars. That when someone purchases them, mm. the average Australian car is then on the road for almost twenty years. What
3: they call the long tail, isn't That's
0: it? That's right. So, which is why I think you know setting a target of round about all you know the the target that you know, India and the Netherlands have set of staying by twenty thirty. Means that if we set that target in Australia, we would still have fossil fuel vehicles sort of on the road by 2050, as so they were sort of mm. gradually, yes, dying out, gradually, gradually um, reducing the numbers on the road. So we've got to set an ambitious target for you know what we can achieve in the next decade if we're going to have any hope at all of really dramatically reducing our our transport um, carbon
3: pollution. Both BP and Exxon, Exxon Mobil have raised their forecast to 100 million electric cars by 2035 and 2040, respectively, from their previous figures. The International Energy Agency, which is always fairly conservative, has more than doubled its base case electric car forecast for 2030. OPAC's also re- revised its forecast to 266 million electric cars by 2040, which is almost a six-fold increase on their previous 46 million estimate. These are crazy figures, but they're probably actually not even crazy enough. they they actually sound conservative when you you're given when you look at the rate of change. Why is Australia such a laggard? Do you think, Janet?
0: Basically, because we've got a government that doesn't think it's an important thing to do, and we've got vested interests who just want to keep on doing the same old, same old. Whether it's the um, car manufacturing um, or retailing lobby who say, "Oh well, you know, Australians don't want electric vehicles all that much," and they 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 aren't um proactive about having them in their showrooms i think uh, you know you, you never know how much of, how much pressure the oil industry and so the fossil fuel interests are applying to government but Essentially we've got a government that's got pressure from the industry of what you know across the board of saying, look, let's just keep things the same, status quo, let's just keep on, you know, don't rock the boat mm. and we've got a government that hasn't got any motivation as to why it wants to move things faster than that. Because essentially their whole approach, you know, in terms of the value of electric vehicles, we've got the you know, the overwhelming Reason for shifting our fleet to electric is to be tackling um, dangerous climate change. Mm. Yes, there are, the, there, there are the health benefits and the noise and amenity benefits, which are massive as well. But having that, you know, really Im- that imperative of tackling climate change is the why we need to really push the transition so quickly. And we've got a government that's essentially in denial about climate change. They acknowledge it tacitly, but it's oh well, we'll just. You know, move on it as things happen, as the market of takes up these these new technologies, and that's not going to get us there for the the types of, of changes in our economy that are needed if right. we're going to have you know be reaching the reductions in carbon pollution it's, that we know that we need to need to do.
3: It's done an emergency response, which yeah. is what we need.
0: That's right, and so to have you know, if we were to. For Australia to reach the sorts of levels that other countries in the world are now aiming at, it's very possible, but it does need to have government leadership. You know, the price differential, as Vanessa said, you know, by 2025 the prices are going to come down, but that. That's seven years off. We need to be doing things now to reduce that price differential, and there are all sorts of things that we could be doing. You know, we have extra taxes on luxury cars. We could certainly be um, changing the tax regime between electric vehicles and fossil fuel vehicles. You know, looking at import duties, looking at stamp duty, looking at you know, lower registration for electric vehicles. And that's what other, the sorts of measures that other countries around the world have taken.
1: So, what are the Greens thinking of doing in terms of phasing out the sales of diesel petrol and LPG?
0: Look, we're we're finalising a a package at the moment as to sort of what we're going to be taking into the next election. So, you know, watch this space um, in terms of an announcement for what our um, final policy, our final position that we're going to be taking into the election this year. But these are the sorts of measures that we're looking at. And one of the other um, measures that's really important is the government's currently looking at having stricter um, pollution standards, so to be reducing the amount of carbon pollution. We haven't got any standards on our cars at the moment. And that? we've been
1: talking about these standards for many, many years. That's yeah, right. J-
3: that's... Josh has been sitting on them, hasn't
0: he? He's been sitting on them, and there's pressure from the industry at the moment to not adopt them. So what we are saying is, look, you know, the, the standards that you're proposing, they are the absolute, you know, that's the maximum that you should be proposing, and and go for them. And if you did that, it's basically saying that for a manufacturer bringing in a fleet of vehicles... They have an average um, carbon emission standard of one hundred and five grams of carbon per um, i can't remember what the, <laughs> what the measure is right, anyway right, hundred kilometers 100 or something, kilometers or, something yeah. or other yeah. but basically the way that a, a manufacturer would be able to meet that that measure across their fleet is to have a bigger mix of their fleet being electric vehicles that's the easiest way to do it so if you introduce that standard that would that would kick start. Um, manufacturers realising that they've got to be importing be. more vehicles and, and that's and one of the big issues is that there are so many more electric vehicles available around the world that just aren't available here in Australia so we haven't got the sort of low-cost vehicles that some other countries have because the manufacturers you know for
1: well, their own reasons think no,
0: that Australians don't want to buy them.
1: Well I don't think that's entirely the case I think also that there is, there's no market here yet, so why would they bother?
0: Well, that's right. Well, it's all circular, isn't it? While there's no market here. while you haven't got people who have had the experience of driving electric vehicles and realised that they work, realised that their fears about sort of running out of charge in the, in the middle of the drive aren't being realised. People have to have that experience or to know somebody who's, who's driven an electric vehicle to realise that an electric vehicle is, is the right thing for them. So, I mean, there are the other measures. Clearly, the having... The, um, public charging infrastructure is important and particularly fast charging um, infrastructure so that people can top up their charge in a a short space of time, halfway along their journey. But as Vanessa said, most of the charging of electric vehicles is going to be done by people in in their homes or in their offices.
3: If you've just joined us, we're, we're speaking to Senator Janet Rice and BZE CEO Vanessa Petri about electric vehicles. The Electric Vehicle Council Chief Executive Bahad Jafari called for a package of measures to reduce electric vehicle prices by up to $7,000, including fringe benefits and luxury ta- car tax exemptions, coming back to what you were just talking about, Janet, and the axing of stamp duty and registration charges by the states. What policies do you think we need? I know you've, you've covered that a bit, but um, and <laughs> you're not going to give away too much of your new Greens policy, I gather. Can you give us any more clues of, of where you think we should be heading?
0: Well, look, we're looking at all of those measures, all the all the sorts of measures that I've I've just been talking about. I mean, the other the other option that we're we're considering too is essentially just setting an overall target, and that's what other countries have done. And China, for example, has said we are going to have this many of our vehicles being electric vehicles by you know, a certain a, a certain time, and so requiring that of the manufacturers. And we're in a situation here in Australia, you know the The silver lining or the, you know, the upside of no longer having a a major vehicle manufacturing Mm -hmm. here is that all of our fleet is imported. And so it's actually quite a straightforward thing to say to each manufacturer that you have to import a certain number of of electric vehicles. And that's it, you know, essentially setting that down in law that that's what has to happen. And that's the sort of thing that, you know, it's well within the the realms of a reasonable thing for a government to do. And these sorts of measures, essentially we need it... Need a suite of measures, you know, right now that are going to kickstart that transition. They're going to have to be renewed, reviewed in five years' time because some of them will will be more effective than others. We don't yet really know what the uptake's going to be, and so you would then have this um, review of what the measures are going to be in order to reach the target that um, that's set. But you know. The potential is there, and other countries have shown the way Australia very much is being the Garden, um, you ardent know, just for, for our own peculiar reasons, of not not wanting to to, to take action to really um, get this transition going Well,
1: I think a number of organizations, including Climate works, have done surveys on the number of people that are interested in buying electric cars and it 's over. 60% as far as I know. Exactly. So certainly we know that the demand is out the there. The
0: demand is there if, yeah. if, if it was being encouraged. We yeah. know that. And we know that as people you know, drive electric vehicles, they realise that they're really you know a terrific um, type of vehicle for them to have.
1: Vanessa, what examples are there out in the world where policy has been effective in encouraging the uptake of EVs?
2: Well, there's a really positive thing that's happening in Victoria, um, actually. In infrastructure Victoria are looking into what the Victorian government needs to do to plan um, for the uptake of autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles. And I think that's really important. Um, Governments need to make sure that there are no barriers to the uptake. Um, And they've actually just opened up the consultation period. So that's a really important thing, getting on the front book and actively planning for a different transport system. Um, Janet was talking earlier about how important it is to have an integrated transport system. And I think where we see those, um, where we see governments that you know really embrace that, um, I, you know that that's a huge part of the of the answer too. And you know you mentioned electric buses. We we need a transport system where people can easily get to where they need to without emissions. And, and we need to have um, you know public transport is so important. It's a really important part of the mix, um, mm-hmm. as well as vehicle sharing as well. There's really high rates of car ownership in Australia, mm-hmm. and I understand that they're increasing. Um, we, we need to look at ways of using materials more efficiently too. So, how can we car share? And particularly, there are some great um, examples in Europe where integrated transport um, serves their communities really well. And
1: let's talk about the Queensland electric superhighway. I mean, WA has got a similar one, but by early 2018, that superhighway will be the longest, the world's longest electric supercharger highway in a single state. Can you tell us more about that, Janet?
0: yeah um yes yeah, so like I, mean, I think that it's, it's a real um terrific initiative that um it's the sort of thing that needs to happen sort of you know right across the country so um so that people really have got the the possibility of seeing that they can use electric vehicles for all of their their journeys not just just city journeys that's so the sort of you know infrastructure that that needs to be rolled out um and and it's it's great to see it that, you know starting off in queensland.
1: Well, it's interesting that WA and Queensland are doing this sort of thing, taking that initiative, given that they're such large states with very long distances between towns, proving that electric vehicles can exist in any environment.
0: Exactly, and it's really overcoming that barrier that you know people fear that, oh, you know, we're such a, such a big, sprawling country that electric vehicles won't possibly work for us, to say, yes, they can, and they will.
2: Recently, um, I don't know if anyone read a story a couple of days ago in Oman, and the United Arab Emirates, um, a bunch of electric vehicles drove over 2,000 kilometres over up and down sand dunes and proved that they could do it there. I've got total confidence it's going to happen here. <laughs> Absolutely. The
0: other the other vehicles, the other people that we often say, oh, electric vehicles are going to work for us, you know, people living on farms, people who are driving their utes around. And, and again, I think that the potential of electric vehicles to be meeting all vehicle needs is, is going to be realised and people are going to realise their fears are unfounded. Because you look at the potential power of, of vehicles in fact they've got more you know, immediate torque and power. We've now got, you know, as well as the electric buses that Michael was talking about, that we've been talking about, mm. potential of electric freight vehicles, so electric trucks, electric mm. semi-trailers, um, which Tesla are, are currently developing electric semi-trailer. Um, I think Lynn Fox are, are trialling it in Australia and... So all of these these types of vehicles, you know, I think there's the potential for them to be, yeah, to be mentioned... zero carbon and and electric. Uh,
1: did you know about the SAE um, bus oh, the truck transport that they're building? I think Kings Transport has already got delivery at least one bus or truck. I think possibly two or three.
0: You're right. No, I didn't. And that's here locally. Okay. Yes, hmm. I didn't know about about that. And then, I mean, for me, living in the inner west and the issues of pollution from truck traffic on our residential streets, the prospect of our semi-trailers sort of being you know, clean and quiet is just you know, city transformation.
3: And your mention of Tesla, I have to say, um, I was one of the people who got tears in their eyes watching the, the Tesla around the earth And in cases. What the hell is he sending up there for? He's having enough trouble getting enough here. <laughs> so... Uh, Vanessa, BZE's really got a fantastic reputation for the in-depth reports, The, the something like eight reports now of the 15. various sectors. Oh, well, I'm out of um, <laughs> Can you talk to us about the the cost of a total transition? Um, you, you mentioned it briefly in terms of resources and things. What work has been done on that in replacing our total fleet of vehicles?
2: We costed this in our report so... We had two scenarios, conservative um, and then much more optimistic. So under the conservative, um, we found that moving the urban fleet um, to 100% EVs in 10 years' time would be about 25% more than the um, business as usual. So that's um, $20 um, per capita per week extra. Looking at the more optimistic scenario where battery prices come down quite quickly, which is what we're seeing, it would be cost-neutral The other important – so there'd be no additional cost to the economy. um, And the other important um, part of that is that with smart grid management, that can also play a really important role in helping level out the the grid as well. So overall, um, I think that we we are moving the positive trajectory and um, under that scenario, it's going to be cost neutral for Australia.
3: Mm -hmm. I've got a couple of minutes left, but the Productivity Commission is um, currently investigating reforms in road funding and investment of – have you got anything to tell us about that?
2: They put out a report in I think October last year on um, a national report and I looked at urban cities and they, they did look at um, how roads are priced and managed. Um, that's quite an interesting read if you're like me and you're into reading Productivity Commission <laughs> reports. Um, they've got some really interesting commentary around how we price our roads. Definitely worth a read.
0: And- it's a really interesting... Um, it's going to be a challenging question that the governments are going to have to grapple with because if, as is going to happen, and you know, the sort, for the sorts of reasons we've just been talking about, we are going to have a substantial um, portion of our vehicle vehicles being electric vehicles. They are not going to be paying the um, fuel um, levy, which is a very important part of our taxation system at the moment. The, the taxes that people pay on on petrol to be driving their cars driving their cars on the road. So with that reduction in revenue, there's going to have to be um, another way of, of funding uh, that, that same level of revenue.
1: Yep. Just quickly, um, the materials and embedded emissions in replacing our total fleet of um, vehicles, have you got any comments on that, Vanessa?
2: Yeah, it's really important that we look at everything in the economy as having value. So it's part of planning for the shift to EVs. We need to make sure that governments and industry have got the right, um, you know, recycling and reuse um, systems in place. So looking to your product stewardship ensures that a car is designed so that it can be pulled apart and reused um, and we get total value out of all of the materials. Um, So we need to ensure that we're setting up those systems in Australia as well. It's a really important part of the transition.
3: So uh, time's up, Vanessa. BZE has a stall at the Sustainable Living Festival. Um, there'll be... For those this weekend. Yeah, for those listening live, um, that will apply too. Um, there's some electric vehicles on display there too, I believe. Have you got a particular main focus in...?
2: Uh, we'll be there, drop in. We've got our famous concentrated solar thermal model. Um, definitely worth coming in and having a chat to us and have, the team will be able to take you through what we're doing at the moment. Drop in, we're very friendly.
1: Great. Thanks so much for your time, Janet and Vanessa. Great.
2: Thanks, Kay, Thanks, Thank Kay and Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. We've been speaking to Janet Rice from the Australian Greens and Vanessa Petrie from BZE about electric vehicles. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions think tank, Beyond Zero Emissions, and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the community radio network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to www.bze.org.au and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and can donate to help cover airtime costs and keep us on the air, please go to the website and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and we look forward to you joining us again next week.
2: Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.